But you can see the title of my sermon is Seeking God. Have you ever sought anything before? Were you... Well, let's, let's go through it. We just moved here, Lynn and I, and Elise. It's Elise over there. Yeah. Yeah, and um, we, we are seeking everything <laughs> in our house. I, I, well, you guys that helped us unload saw all the stuff that we had, and I tried to do a really good job getting it put in the right spots. And Lynn tried to help me out by, by having on the boxes what room they were supposed to go to. We so messed up. <laughs> we so messed up. We still haven't found some things. Uh, and, and every day I go, Lynn, where is? And say it. And she's going, I don't know. And, and so we seek those things. It, yeah. And, and just on Thursday, Lynn and I were taking a couple boys out to Bob and Robin's place to do some work. I put it into GPS because I'd never been there. We made it all the way to Moon Creek before I figured out the GPS is probably screwy, and, and turned around and, and came back when we finally found their place, which I learned was right below your place. I didn't know where your place was either, though. But we had quite the adventure. Um, Bob figured that maybe he had the wrong day. Maybe it was, but it just took us forever to find it, and we found it. And you ever looked for your sunglasses? You ever looked for your glasses while they're on your head? Ever looked for the keys while they're in your hand? Ever ever looked for the car? <laughs> and, and on Facebook, a friend of mine said he was getting real upset that that he couldn't get his door unlocked in his car, and and he took a picture of the car he was trying to unlock and his car, and they were exactly right alike, and they were just two stalls away from each other. And if you ever tried to find yourself, you you can admit it. You know, when I was growing up, it was, I'm trying to find myself. And the answer is, did you look in the mirror? But but we seek things. We seek fame. We seek fortune. We seek things. And if you'll open your Bible to Psalm, or Psalm, Matthew 6.33, if it's not already open to there, I, I'm beginning a series on prayer. So we're starting with this one, which is Matthew 6, and we'll back up to the first part of Matthew 6, which is the Lord's Prayer. And as near as I can tell, working on it, um, we're going to be at this for about six months. As near as I can tell. Because there's all, man, that Lord's Prayer covers everything. Everything in our life, so and everything that we as Christians need to Look at, and everything that we as humans will run into is covered in the Lord's Prayer. So we've got to cover all those. It's not going to be as dull as I just made it sound. But it's going to be exciting, so plan on being a part of it. And to start this, we, we've got to look at Matthew 6, 33, which says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. 
So let's back up in front of Matthew 6.33. If you back up to it, it says, look at the, the flowers in the field. King Solomon in all his glory didn't look as good as the flowers. And yet they only live for a few days and die. And look at the birds. They don't worry about what they eat. God takes care of them. And then he goes on to say, so don't worry about these things. And then he says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. Because the verse right before that, he said, God will take care of you. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And there are things that we seek. But it says to seek first. And what does it mean to seek first? Have you ever had priorities in your life? Have you ever had people give you priorities? First do this, then do this, then do this. And what what Jesus is trying to say is make seeking God a priority. It's not an afterthought. It's not after I have fun, after I get older, after I get settled. When I was in college, I had a friend, and his family were pastor's kids, and they, this guy had it all figured out. He knew when Jesus was going to return. He knew, you know, he would be able to tell before he died. So his, his philosophy was, I will live the way I want, and just before I die, I'll accept Jesus, or just before he returns, I'll, I'll accept Jesus, and everything will be okay. You know, that never works, right? He's still around, and I haven't talked to him for 35 years, so I have no idea if his philosophy is the same. This says, seek him first. Above everything else, seek God first. But it says more than that. It says that we are to seek God's kingdom. Seek first his kingdom. So let's talk about kingdom for a minute. What is kingdom? While, while you're pondering that question, remember when Jesus went out in the desert for 40 days to be tempted by Satan. If you don't remember, I'll tell you, Jesus went out in the desert for 40 days after he was baptized to be he didn't eat anything. And after that 40 days was up, Satan came and tempted him. And one of the things that Satan tempted him with was he took him and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and said, if you worship me, I will give you all these kingdoms. When I have thought, when I was younger and thought about that, I figured, you know, it would, it would be like, like Israel, the, the kings around Israel, even into the future, would be like the United States and France and Germany and Canada and England. I thought of all those. But you know the reality that he was talking about? He was also not just those kingdoms. He was talking about spiritual kingdoms, too. He was talking about those, too. The one that was mentioned in Daniel where where Daniel prayed for 21 days and then then the angel of the Lord came to him and said, I was fighting the prince of Persia. And if you hadn't been praying, I wouldn't have gotten through. 
it's not just talking about the physical kingdoms, but the spiritual kingdoms. And we also know that God has a kingdom. It says right there, seek his kingdom. So what is that kingdom? It's not just being a Christian. It's not just being a follower of Christ, but if you're a follower of Christ, you are in his kingdom. So we'll go on a little path here. In a kingdom, who's the ultimate ruler? The king. Exactly. And everything in that kingdom is supposed to be submissive to the king. And if you're not submissive to the king, you are out of the kingdom or in the dungeon or dead. Because it's a kingdom and there's only one ruler. And so if we're seeking God's kingdom, it means we have to not just say, I love God, we have to be submissive to God and let him be the ruler of our lives. Not a co-director. Not even an advisor. But the ruler of our life. And what does that look like? Everything submissive to him, correct? And it's different for each of us. Different in that the talents and gifts that I have to serve the king are different than the talents and gifts that you have to serve the king. The experience that I have been through are different than the experiences that you have been through to serve the king. Never once have I been asked to lay on my side for 300 and some days to show Israel how bad they are. But yet, I have been asked to use my talents to serve God. And if, well, I'll give you a little history of me. I got called to be in the ministry at the age of 13. It was a hot summer night. Had a dream. I was called to be in the ministry. And I said, okay, God, I'll do that. But by the time I was 17, I knew that's not what I wanted to do. So I said, I'm not doing that. When I graduated from high school 40 years ago, I went to DeVry Institute of Technology to build computers, learned how to be a computer engineer. And I just bombed all over the place. God got my attention. And I said, okay, I will go into the ministry. I've been here in the ministry. This is starting my 34th year in the ministry. I was not submissive to God. Some people, it takes longer to get their attention than it, does, it did for me. And I will say along the way, God's had to keep getting my attention to remind me that he's the Lord of my life. And so we're supposed to seek God's kingdom, which is submission to God, First. Not always easy, is it? Because, you know, we, we live in the United States where we're all self-made men and women. We pull ourselves up by bootstraps. We don't want charity. We don't want help. We can just handle it. But that's not just the United States. You know, if you've ever met people, they're the same way. Remember your, when your kids were little and you tried to help them? No, I can do it. And we treat God that way at times, too. 
But we're supposed to seek his kingdom first. And then the next one says, and his righteousness. The first thought that comes to your mind when you when I say righteousness is right living, correct? I just put that in your head. You all say, yes, that's the first thing. But I want to give you a definition of righteousness. Redemptive justice. In Romans chapter 6, it says the wages of sin is death. But the, the um, gift of grace is eternal life through Jesus Christ. And we're going to have communion in a little bit to commemorate that. But the wages of sin is death, which, as you may or may not know, I'll tell you, God is not a, a rule breaker. If he has set a law which says the wages of sin is death, he fulfills that. You can't get around it. We don't like it. It happened because of Adam and Eve back in the Garden of Eden. We can blame them if we want, but if, if they would have been named Randy and Lynn, the same thing would have happened. And if it would have been any of you back there, the same thing would have happened. We would have ended up breaking the laws of God, which they only had one, don't eat from that tree. And the result of that, he told them ahead of time was, if you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will die. And when we say die, we always refer in our heads to physical death, but it's really spiritual death. And spiritual death is a life without Jesus. That's spiritual death. And it says that sin, the wages of sin is death. Separation from God. And Jesus came to put us back together with God. Not because we wanted it, but because God wanted it. And this is mind-blowing to me. That God who created the universe, God who who created us, God who was so into the details, we're still discovering things about us and the universe and the, the animals and the creatures in the universe, wanted a relationship with me. He wants a relationship with you. He wants a relationship with your neighbor. He wants a relationship with that person you don't like. John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. And so he had to pay that debt. He had to fulfill that law, the wages of sin is death. That's the justice part of it. He did that. Remember, we celebrated it just a month ago. Easter. Jesus died on the cross. In the communion, we'll remember that. His body was broken for us. His blood was shed for us so that our sins could be forgiven. That's the justice part of it. The redemption part is the grace. He didn't have to do that. He didn't have to do that. But He chose to do that. He made the... He made the rules, 
He made the consequences, and he paid the consequences for us so that we could have a relationship with him. That's what righteousness is. That's what God's righteousness is. It's not just right living, but it's redemptive justice. He redeemed us. He paid for us. He's paid for everybody in the world. They just haven't all accepted the gift or even wanted that gift. But he's paid for it. And then the right living comes from that. Right living doesn't get us with God, but being with God causes right living. Does that make sense? Does that make sense to all of you? And too often we get the cart before the horse and say, if I do these things, God will love me. Well, the truth is, I will do these things because God loves me. And so when we have a relationship with God, our actions change. If they don't change, we don't have a really good relationship with God. Think about it. Those of you that have been married longer than me and longer than Lynn, or even just a few years, how has your life changed over that marriage? And why has it changed? Because you love your spouse. And because you love them, there are things you will do and won't do because you love them. And it is true you still have the arguments at times because you, you do something or they do something that just doesn't kind of sets them off a little bit. You know, it just happens at times, but you still love each other. And your life changes. Sometimes you don't change as much as you should, and they keep working on you. I'm speaking our relationship. Lynn's still working on me. Um, no. No, we're, we're good most of the time. But just like all the rest of you, you're good most of the time. And then when you find something that needs to be changed, you change it. And that's how our relationship with God is. When you find something that needs to be changed, you change it. Because you're seeking His kingdom. And to seek His kingdom, because He bought and paid for you, which Paul said makes you a slave to God. When you're a slave to God, you do whatever God tells you because you're a slave to God. You're not co-owners. It's not a co-op. He's not even a tenant in your life. He's the owner. He's the ruler. He's the master. And so for our relationship to grow with God, we have to have a relationship with God. And to have a relationship with God, we have to first seek His kingdom and His righteousness. And how does all this lead into prayer? Prayer is not just giving God a list of things you want done or giving Him your opinion. Prayer is actually a relationship. And there's several words that you can use for prayer. One is relationship. One is worship. One is prayer. Paul said to pray continually. Well, our life should be 
a continual relationship with God. Sometimes it is us speaking, and we oftentimes refer to prayer as us speaking to God. I've heard it said, a person that sings and prays, prays twice. And if you listen to the songs that we sang and the one that we'll be singing during communion, it really is a prayer. Yet it's also the way we live our lives. Every day. And fortunately we have the Holy Spirit to help us through that. And so redemptive justice really equals, or righteousness really equals grace. Grace is something that we don't deserve. It's a gift that God gave us, we didn't deserve it. We have done, the human race, and us personally, have done everything that we can to stay away from God. He calls us all the time. Because we're made that way. We're made in the image of God. We're made for a relationship with God, which Adam and Eve had in the Garden of Eden. And when everything's settled and evil's destroyed and Satan's gone, we're back to that relationship with God. And so we seek things. We seek to fill that relationship that we don't have with God, with fame, fortune, all sorts of different religions, food, TV, drugs, alcohol, pornography. We feel all that because we're seeking, but we're not seeking God. Well, we are seeking God just in all the wrong places, and we're being greatly distracted, and we're seeking because we know we need a relationship with something greater than us. And so Jesus said, seek God first. Seek the kingdom of God first. Seek his righteousness, forgiveness, grace, mercy first. So my question for you is, before we head towards communion, my question for you is, where are you in this? Have you been seeking, but you haven't actually been seeking the kingdom of God? Or have been seeking it just a little bit to get, make sure that, that, that you get into heaven, but not so much that, as my friends used to say, you don't have any fun. Are, are you just seeking a little bit? Or have you just started hearing God calling you? But yet, you're not sure where that call's coming from. Have you been having a discussion with God trying to negotiate how things should be? Or are you so completely sold out to God that what I'm saying, you're good with? Wherever you are in this journey, you have to know that God loves you. And the reason that Jesus said these things is don't worry about all these other things, but seek God first in a relationship with Him. Seek His righteousness, His redemptive justice first. God will take care of everything else. 
What a relief that would be, wouldn't it? That we can just rely on God. And I know that you've experienced that at one time or another in your life. And we, as in us all together, are, are a demonstration of that. You sought God for how many months? Almost a year and a half. And God worked it out, didn't he, that we're all together. Lynn and I, and you guys, and Elise. He worked it out that we're all together. When we, you were seeking him, we were seeking him. And look at how it worked out. And we might have to remind ourselves that at times, but look how it worked out. So where are you in your relationship with God? You need to be more submissive to the king. And if you do, what better time than now to do that? What better time than now to submit to him. And I'll give you that opportunity. I'm not going to make you come to the altar. But I will ask that you all stand with me. Go ahead. And I would like you to take that opportunity right now one of the reasons is we're going to be taking communion. And I want you to be fit in that... Let me say this right. I want you to be in such a relationship with God wherever you're at that when you take communion, it's that. You're communing with God. You're... you're more than thankful for what he's done. So if God is talking to you and calling you, just take a moment right now before I pray. And we'll just bow our heads, close our eyes. And you can raise your hand so that I know that I, need, I can pray for you. But take a moment and, you know, submit. Seek his kingdom first and his righteousness. So let's pray. And if you'd like to just raise your hand so that I can pray for you this week, go ahead and do that. Thank you, I can see those. Thank you. Thank you. Let's pray, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you are the King that you're not a president, but you're an ultimate ruler. And thank you, Lord, that you have made a way for us to be a part of your kingdom. And that we can live in your kingdom, not only physically, but spiritually in you and submissive to you. And thank you for the righteousness that you've provided us through Jesus Christ. Thank you for paying the debt for my sins, which there's no way I could. And thank you for the grace of forgiving me for those sins and redeeming my soul.
And thank you for the souls of these people. And for doing the same for them, Lord. And thank you that they're hearing and I'm hearing. Lord, help us to have the wisdom and the courage to seek you first. Help us to have the wisdom and the courage to seek your righteousness as individuals, but more importantly, as a community, as the body of Christ, help us to seek you, Lord. And Lord, I ask that you help us not to keep it to ourselves, but let it shine through our lives to our friends and family around us and to each other in the church, too. And I ask that you hear the prayers of your people, that you forgive us of our sins, that you cleanse us from all unrighteousness, and that your will be done. Thank you, Lord. We love you. Amen. And you may be seated. At the Last Supper... And it didn't even dawn on me till I was an adult that last supper minute was the last meal that Jesus ate before he was crucified on the cross. He had communion. He didn't call it communion then, but he had communion with his disciples. And you have to know it was more than just his disciples. They figure there were a hundred and some people in that room, which makes it a really big room. And it wasn't just the 12 men that he had chosen, but it was the men and the women and the children that had been following him since the beginning, including his mother. And he, passed, he, he took the bread and passed it around, and he, and he took the, the goblet and passed it around, and they never caught on till the next day what was really going on. When he said, this is my body, and... And think about that. Jesus knowingly came to earth knowing that he was going to die. And he did it anyway. And he told the disciples and his followers before it happened, he told them what was going to happen. And why it was going to happen. And then he said, and every time you do this, remember. Well, this morning we're going to take communion. I know it's traditionally the third Sunday, which this is, so we're good. But it's more than a tradition. Communion is us saying to God, I'm with you. It's us saying to God, I'm in agreement. And it's us saying to God, thank you for what you've done. And every time we do it, we're supposed to remember what Jesus Christ did for us. Which was a great sacrifice. Read Philippians chapter 2. Because he gave up being God. To come and be nothing. So this morning, as the ushers come forward, and the praise team comes up as well, we're going to be passing out the the elements, and if you will just hold on to them 
And if you want to sing with the praise team, sing your little hearts out. If you want to just sit and, and talk with God, do I do this or do you? Here. If you if you want to sit and have a conversation with God, please do that as well. Because do I give I don't know what I'm doing. Oh, you're going up there. But anyway, spend some time talking with God during this time, and then we'll take it all together.
supper Jesus took the bread and passed it around and said every time you take this remember that this is my body which was broken for you and if you've ever read the story of what Jesus went through the next day he was broken and his body was broken for you. So take and eat this and thank Him for doing that so that we can have a relationship with Him. Take and eat it and thank Him. And then later He passed the goblet around and He said, take and drink this and every time you drink this, remember that it was my blood that was shed for you. Because sins are forgiven through the shedding of blood. And it was His blood once and for all. And His blood was shed way before He got on the cross. For us. So our sins could be forgiven because He loved you so much. He was willing to do that so that He could have you again. So take and drink this and thank Him for paying your debt. Lord, thank You that You loved us way more than we could ever love You. Thank You for planning at the beginning of the time to save our sins today. And thank You, Lord, for not ever giving up on us, but continually calling us 
And thank you for not giving up on this world, but continue to call this world to you. And Lord, I ask that you help us to be a voice that you're calling through to our world right here in John Bay, to our world in Grant County, to the world. Please continue to call and Lord, remind us daily of your kingdom and your righteousness. And thank you that even if we get off track, you're calling us to bring us back. Lord, help us not to ever become unsensitive to your call, but help us to continually hear you and grow closer to you. Guide us today. Guide us this week and give us opportunities to show your grace this week to the people around us. And please let your Holy Spirit guide our steps, Lord. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Yes, ma'am. Yes, we do need to pray for Joanne. She's still in the hospital. She's still um, yeah, she you can't get in to see her without gowning up. Isolation. Thank you. She's still in isolation. So let's pray for Joanne right now. Thank you, Elizabeth. Lord, please be with Joanne. Thank you for the miracles of medicine and thank you for her love for you. And Lord, I ask that you will continue to heal her. Please give her strength and help her to know your love. And may your will be done, Lord. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. This evening we're talking about Ephesians chapter 1 still. Come and be a part of it. Have a great afternoon. Thank you for being here this morning.